Hey guys, I am so excited to be back again with Kristen and Jocelyn. They haven't been on for a while. I've missed them a lot. So we came today to talk about defiant, smart aleck, I know, I know, kids. And we talked about that, but we talked about a lot of other things too. It was a really good dynamic conversation, especially the part where we talk about Jocelyn's pants that smells like meat. So that's going to be fun. So this is another good episode. I learned stuff as I always do with these two ladies. I hope you learn stuff too. Thank you for coming every week. Please share this with someone you think might enjoy it. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. Enjoy. I rode my bicycle past your window last night. It does smell a little bit in here, like marijuana, (laughs) which maybe it will. um... It smells better than my bloody meat smelling pants, though. (laughs) Your bloody meat smelling smelling pants. pants, That's pretty funny. Okay. Yeah. Are you ready? So Kristen's moving. I am. I know. I'm excited yeah. for you, but I I'm sad because I just met you. I've only I know, known you like a is. year. It's a big thing. I it mean, is. it is sad. Yeah. Um, She'll come into town to visit. Well, that's the thing. It's The other thing about Los Angeles, I feel like, maybe this is just my experience, but I feel like to see my friends here, it requires planning. Yeah. Like where I grew up, you know, you just kind of stopped in or it was a last minute thing. It doesn't yeah. seem as last minute here, hmm. you know? And it just feels like the friends that I have there, it's kind of like, the way I grew up. It's just right. more, it, you know, it doesn't take 45 minutes to get somewhere when you want to go. Right. <laughs> it's so like true. people are closer to each other. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's just gotten hard here. Just, yeah. I spend so much time in the car. Yeah. I think you are preaching to the choir of mm-hmm. people that live in LA. Everybody feels like they spend so much time in the choir. It's one of the reasons when we bought a new house, I had a very close perimeter to mm-hmm. this house. Cause I was like, I, I don't want to be here. so far. Mm-hmm. That my friends won't come see me. Right. Last yeah. minute. Because our friends are last minute. Hey, that's we're great. cooking burgers. Come over. Okay. So yeah. that's kind of how our circle functions. But I thought if we lived in Encino, that would stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would just totally end. And, I mean, it is. And that's only five miles away. It's yeah. five miles that's away. The thing. And it's over. Right. So I was it like, it is we over. Have to that stay. is what, when you move in Los Angeles, if you're not within a mile, you're basically moving to a new city. That's right. And I think that's the thing about yeah. it's the schools. It's like what my kids have been going to schools where their friends live all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then, you know, if you I don't know, it's just I don't know. It's been interesting to have a since we moved the, away from yeah. that one community of elementary school. Yeah. It's been hard to have yeah. people nearby. Well, and then if they do anything, any after school sports or activities that aren't at the school, then you're driving all over town. And I mean, I spend, pick my kids up at three and I get home at seven 30 and it's because of after school stuff. Yep. yep. Every day. 
Same here. I know. I had to, you know, as everybody listening knows, I plan my menu for the month because of softball. Yeah. Like there are certain days of the week that I have to be picking Georgia up at the same time we should be eating dinner. Mm -hmm. That is so impressive that you plan out the month. I do. I I plan out the month. It's it's not as impressive as it sounds. We have, you know, Blue Apron is a sponsor of Burt's podcast. Mm -hmm. So two nights a week I have Blue Apron. Every Friday night's pizza night. So I'm really only planning two nights a week and then the weekends we eat leftovers or we go out or nobody's home. It's just me. So I'm really only planning, planning two days a week for the month. But then that way on Sundays, I sit down on Sundays and look at my week and kind of organize my busy versus non-busy moments and write my shopping list. And on Mondays, I run all my errands on Mondays. So I get all my groceries for the two meals that I'm cooking that week that aren't the blue apron and the pizza. So I have it. So then I don't, I'm not running so to great. the store. It's I go been, every day. I literally go to the store. I was every going day. every day too. And I was like, I don't. And then at four o'clock I'd go, well, what do I want for dinner? I have no idea what I want for dinner. Well, I don't have time to cook anything serious because I have to leave at five to pick my daughter up from softball and I don't get home till six. So it just yeah. became yeah. too hard. So organizing and that little bitty bit of planning, it takes me maybe 20 minutes to plan those eight meals and I put them on the calendar so that I just look on my calendar and go okay chicken tetrazzini and enchiladas those are the two things I'm making this week let me just stock it up get my staple lunchbox shit and I'm done so I don't go back I to need your enchilada store. recipe that's not in my repertoire of things mm-hmm. that I no make. I have two of them really? one of them is really too. bad for you but it is so good <laughs> <laughs> it's my aunt Carol's and my my kids are like are you making Aunt Carol's enchiladas? What makes it okay. bad? It's got cream cheese and sour cream and cheese with cheese oh, on the side. Oh, those are all not good like Velveeta or something. No, okay, no, no, so no, 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 not that bad. It's not that bad. bad. <laughs> no, it's actually uh, like pepper jack cheese. They're delicious. Uh, my kids will eat them and then take them to lunch in our lunchbox. Can we they get love that? Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should get that. Good. Yeah. Totally. I think maybe you should post. We just it now. went vegetarian. I should post it. Is it vegetarian? No, it's chicken. Oh. But I'm sure you could. You take the chicken out. Okay. We just went vegetarian. You did. For the second time since I've known Chris. Wait, forever or just for a week or just for. Like, I mean, we'll see how long. For fun. Oh, but like for actually for a Yeah, big I was change. eating. Wow. I ordered a whole bunch of steak first from Butcher Box and it was terrible. Was it? It was not good. <laughs> oh, we I had feel so bad that saying great. that. You guys. Have, oh, you liked it? Leanne yeah. liked it. Okay. I, did. I didn't like it. And then I ordered from Omaha. Yeah. And Omaha was actually really good. It was but, great. Um, but I was eating a big piece of steak and I was like, this is absolutely disgusting that I'm <gasps> chewing on meat and it turned my stomach and I spit it out. So I have a whole bunch of Omaha steak that's delicious in my freezer that now just I'm like, I can't I can't eat meat anymore. Interesting. And so I told my kids and my daughter immediately was on board with that. And my son, who two years ago sobbed about animals getting killed, was like, he actually said to me, he goes, what do animals even do for the environment? Uh, like that's his justification for eating meat. <laughs> they do a few bad things for the environment. They right? do, but they kind of are the environment. Yeah, they kind of are. Yes, they kind of are a little but bit. But the thing about, I mean, as a vegetarian who cooks for non-vegetarians, it's actually harder, I think, to cook vegetarian for kids. I mean, it t- requires sure, a yeah. lot of effort, I think, because I end sure. up just being boring for myself because I cook for the other people in my family, but. So you're just know. being creative. I'm like and- a weekend. Okay. So. <laughs> so and my kids are with their dad, you know, part of the time. So I only have half the meals that right. I have to deal with. But right. 
I am not vegetarian. I have no plans on being vegetarian. I was for about seven years and I was anemic the entire time I was a vegetarian. Yeah. I don't think everyone should do it at all. I, it, I don't yeah. think it was right for my body, yeah. to be honest with you. And at one point I was like, you know what? I'm tired of taking iron and feeling so run down. Right. I'm just going to eat. I'm going to eat a steak, like a good steak and see what it does and just start eating meat and protein and at no anemia again ever. So I think my body just needs that iron source, I wasn't, clearly I wasn't getting it from plant-based food. Yeah. So my body doesn't like that. Diet. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, if I don't feel well, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to. Yeah, totally. There's not some big moral thing that I'm doing. I just, it really just kind of turned to my stomach all of a sudden. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Is that why you're wearing uh, pants that smell like meat blood? <laughs> <laughs> my pants smell, you guys. They're cheap. It's cheap material. They smell. <laughs> No, she came in and led with that. So my, I was sat down this terrible smell, and I found out it's my pants. They smell like meat blood. I feel like you guys should smell. No, that. thank you. I'll pass too. I'll pass. <laughs> so, a little chit chat before we started our real subject, right? Always love Always, the chit chat. Yeah, I know. Um, well, uh, congratulations on Thank your move. You. That is really exciting. You know, I, I had another friend that moved to Charleston and it was one of those things where you go, yeah, yeah, this checks every single box except your friends. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you already have friends where you're moving to. Yeah. So you, that's, that's like, uh, yeah, that's so great. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. I'm excited. It is cheaper to live almost anywhere mm -hmm. than here. And easier. And easier. And, you know, yeah. as Maybe I lived in New York too long because to me, this is easy. And living in New York was so much in harder. In the city? Yeah. In the, yeah, I yeah. lived in Manhattan. And I can't even imagine having children in Manhattan and carrying your groceries up two, three flights of stairs. And right. how do you get what? Do you, I mean, I can't even imagine functioning like that in that city. Even though as a single person, it was sort of easy. But you had to live within a real kind of context. You couldn't really go camping. <laughs> you know, there was nothing like that happening. <laughs> right. You lived in the city and did the city stuff, or at least that was my experience of New York City. So when I moved here, I was like, oh, this is so much easier. Um, I can't imagine not living here because of my friends. Mm -hmm. I don't have a place like that where I go, well, most of my friends are in Atlanta. They're not. They're here. Yeah. And and so when we, like I said, when we were buying our house, I was like, we have to be because I'm not leaving this group of people. Now, if they start leaving, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've done that before. Where I don't want to move because of my friends. And then my friends start moving. Like, yeah. Oh, wait, wait. But I do think that. What's Los the jackhammer? No idea what the jackhammer is. <laughs> Just curious. It's not on my property. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, well. I think that it is hard to find a city with this many different types of people and this many things to do. Yeah. So that is something that I think about, that it would be hard for me to move somewhere with, you know, that was just a little more homogenous. I don't think I would like that. I don't think I'd like it either. But, you know, Florida's a it, the great thing about Florida is you can drive almost anywhere in the state within a certain, you know, small amount of time and be in a somewhat different topography. Like Tampa looks different from the east coast of florida not hugely different but a little bit and it's definitely different culturally and then you know there's places you can and go we're only going to be about to an hour from miami which is a big fun that's, yeah city. that's not bad yeah. yeah so and that's culturally totally different mm -hmm. than tampa yeah, i'm probably or, wrong because i come from a city that's like everybody's 
kind of the same. And so I always just think I would never want to go back there. Yeah, I right. never want to go back small. there. But How that's many people are from hundred thousand? Yeah, that's small. Yeah. yeah, it's Billings. Oh, it's yeah. Billings. Billings. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I always think you're from Bozeman. That's because that, that's where I go more often. Bozeman's <laughs> yeah. a little bit better, but it's still. I don't know. I think about like the oddball kids that I grew up with and they didn't have a place to go. Yeah. And here you can be such an oddball and you find your people. It's your, the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what my kids go to or Georgia went to and Isla is at this huge middle school. There's 1800 kids at her sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. It's a huge. My hometown is 1800 people. Yeah. Wow. But the cool thing about that is she can find her group and be totally anonymous. Yeah. So she doesn't have to be, you know, the thing I've seen with my friends who's girls are in smaller school environments is that you're either in or you're out Mm -hmm. and there's no middle whereas at isla school you could be in out over under ugly cute it doesn't matter you can find your place and stay within your comfort zone Mm -hmm. and not be bothered really that's great that's been her experience i'm not sure that's been everybody's experience at the school but that was georgia's experience too she found her people and moved with her people and she didn't need to be popular or in the music department or whatever was the quote in thing to do. She just found her people. And I think with a larger environment, it's easier to do that. Like in L.A., mm-hmm. you can find your people mm-hmm. and stick with your people. And yeah, I mean, there's there are some good things about L.A. is a crazy place. It's a crazy place to move and a crazy place to live. But there are some good things about that. And that yeah. I think is one of them. That is one of them. But it got it is a pain in the ass to live here. It is. I just can't imagine. Logistically. I mean, just yeah, logistically. Yeah, totally. I mean, this morning I was late for this podcast. I go to therapy at 8 a.m. every Thursday. I've been driving home from therapy forever at this time of day. It's never taken me more, never taken me more than 45 minutes. Today it took me an hour. It and is. I, if I had boatloads of money, the first thing I would do is hire a driver just for that. Because imagine <laughs> all the stuff you could get done. That's what Bert does. Car. He Ubers. Yeah everywhere that has any distance if he's going to santa monica he ubers there and works the whole time he's in the car because you think about it that's like one and a half to two hours round trip of work Mm -hmm. so he does that yeah it's a luxury we are lucky to be able to afford right he can just uber and get shit done but anyway we were supposed to talk about difficult children (laughs) difficult Uh, children difficult or like i don't know back talkers or Attitudes. Attitudes. Or know-it-alls. Or know-it-alls. I don't have any of those in my house. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, are there any children that are like, oh, she's totally easy all of the time? A hundred percent. Both of mine are angels. No, I, uh, Georgia's got her learner's permit. And um, she, she failed the first time she took the test. And it was really hard for her. That girl has never failed a test Mm. of any type ever. So wrapping her head around, I failed was really hard. Mm. And then ra- and then she just went, then screw it, kind of. And I was like, no, 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 screw it. We get the handbook out. We read the handbook. We start over. We do this again. You can pass this test. It's just, you didn't pass the first time. No big deal. So uh, the anxiety that came with that imperfection mm. was crazy. But she passed the second time. And... Before we started, before I got in the car with her, I said, listen, this is one of these times where you think you're going to know and you don't know. So I don't want to ever hear you say, I know, I know, I know. Wait, what do you mean about like driving? 
Oh, just in general. Yes. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I don't want you to say, I'm, when I'm going to say, okay, check your rear view mm-hmm. mirror before you pull out in traffic. I don't want you to say to me, <laughs> I know. I right. want you to stop that teenage part of your brain and know that you don't know anything. In this arena, you know nothing. And people's lives That's really smart. Yeah. Are That's really good. As, well, she has never said, I know. I've been so shocked because <laughs> she says, I know all day, every day. I know, mom. I know, I know, I know. And I'm like, this one area, you don't. You don't know and you don't have the pattern yet and you're going to hurt someone. You can't just yeah. say, I know. This is one of those where that ego has to be put in your room and you can pick her back up when we get home. I wish I had thought of that with my boys. Oh, yeah. Because that's just such an I know. And if, of course, you know, but you're not doing it. Yeah, but you don't know. <laughs> right. It's just so smart to set that up front. How could you know? Right. That's what I said to her. How could you know how to drive in L.A.? There's, it's not possible. So I don't want to hear those two words ever when we're learning to drive and she's been great about it but i wonder can i do that in life in general <laughs> can i just say these two you words know, no. no more <laughs> you know nothing you're how old is she? 15 <laughs> she's 15 and a half oh 15 and a half well you have to be a half to get your permit oh got it yes okay got it you have to be 15 and so a that half. does matter okay yeah it is important to the story yeah 15 and a half um but yeah i get i know all the time but then she doesn't know like you were saying your son doesn't know right how do you how or he do you, knows but he's still doing the wrong thing exactly when and it it's comes really to driving. hard to exactly. not mock them too right when they're like so <laughs> yes. snotty to you about like i know that and then you're like but but you but don't. did you but like <laughs> let's look at what actually happened it's so hard to not mock them well sometimes maybe mocking is okay <laughs> I mean, sometimes, but I think generally speaking, it's probably not the right no, approach. Can we point and right. laugh? Ha, 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 like that. <laughs> I mean, I think you have to let them save face. I do think you have to let them save face, but God, it's hard. It's so hard. I was talking to my therapist this morning today about that, about what ha- what your first thought is and how you have to stop it and and make it productive. You know, like my first thought would be, about something would be, yeah, I could have told you that. You right. know, but yeah. you can't mm-hmm. say that because mm-hmm. that's not productive because then they go, well, then fuck you. Mm-hmm. Well, and then they say that to you and it just creates a whole yeah, yeah, back and forth that isn't great. No, you have to stop yourself and go, let's think about this. What went wrong? And let them figure it out themselves, which is so exhausting Like, sometimes. Can you guys give examples? Because it seems like you have things in your head that you're thinking of. Like, can you give an example for what you were, you know, what you were kind of talking about? No, not right now, but I will be able to. I'm not going to be able to think of something now. Just because it seems like an important topic, but I I need an example. Examples are better. Yeah. Um, Let me think. Um, I know. I'll think two over here. Okay. I got one. All right. So my kids have a hard time sharing. They do not want to share. What is mine is mine and you can't touch it. That is both of their philosophy with every item from like a hairball in the corner <laughs> to the most prized possession. You is mine and you can't touch it. So we had this big family powwow about how that's not how we are. We are generous people. You would give your best friend anything in your room, but your sister can't even look in your room without murderous thoughts going through your head. So this is going to stop. We as a family share now it doesn't mean carte blanche. Your sister can walk in her your room and take whatever she wants. But the first knee jerk can't be no. It needs to be, well, if your knee jerk is a no, you need to have a really good reason why that's a no. So if your sister needs to borrow your hairbrush 
Why would it, why would it be a no? What does it matter to you? It's all about control. So we're going to stop doing that and we're going to start trying to be more generous, right? Everybody's on the same page. Very next day, Isla calls her sister because Isla has a friend over and wants to borrow Georgia's iPad. Georgia's at a friend's house at a sleepover, not coming home, not using her iPad, nowhere on the planet, right? For this iPad for her to be. So Isla calls her and says, hey, Dakota's over. Would you mind if she borrows your iPad so we can play Minecraft? And Georgia goes, well, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no is not the fucking answer. The answer is no. We just had this. You're not even home. It's not going to affect you at all for one girl to play Minecraft while you're not even home using it. So this is an example of when this should be yes. And I wanted to be like, are you kidding me? (laughs) We just had this conversation yesterday and you haven't learned anything at all. And the conversation was not nearly as calm as I'm portraying it because Burt Kreischer was like done with it. Mm -hmm. He was at a level nine of this is not the way we're happening. Napalm was flying in the house (laughs) from this conversation. (laughs) So there's no way she could have not understood that this is how we would like things to function from here on out. And she was like, well, I didn't really say no. What I said was she could use it when I'm home. And I'm like, but you're not coming home (laughs) until she leaves. So it's a no. It's still a no. But it's not really a no. because And she keeps justifying it. And I'm like, so is that an example? Would you say that's an example? Well, so so I'm still stuck on the example of like when your kids are like, what were you saying when they? Okay, so mine will do something where they'll inform me of some bit of knowledge that they have oh, that but is they just really wrong know. but it's I wrong see what you're saying they'll like yeah. they'll tell me something that i know is wrong and i will you know first i'm just kind of like well i don't really think that's true or you know whatever it is but they they're so condescending like they can't believe i don't know this i must be so stupid and then my go-to is usually well let's look it up let's look it up and see what the internet says on this And they're wrong because they're seven and 10 and I'm 45. And I so want to just like start talking to them in the condescending tone that they were just talking to me in. Right. Mm -hmm. There are times when I do do this. There's times when I think it's funny and it goes over well. But generally speaking, I don't want the condescending tone directed at me. So if I give it back to them, I don't really think that's the right thing to do. Right. But I do later have conversations, not with my seven year old because he's just not there yet, but with my daughter about paying attention to how she talks to people because she's not going to like, like, you know, she feels Mm -hmm. good usually about my response because I'm not mean about it. And she's able to hear it and change her opinion. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of that know-it-all thing, like when they're kind of know-it-alls. And yours is kind of just... No, <laughs> just just a no. Just pretty just, much just non-compliant. Non-compliant. <laughs> yes, I hear what you're saying. I'm not doing that. <laughs> right. But I'm going to keep saying that I am. Yeah, yeah. But I am. You, you're misunderstanding me. Right. That's what she kept going. No, you're misunderstanding. <laughs> I said yes when I get home, but you come home tomorrow, so you're essentially saying no. That one's really interesting to me because she wants to please you, right? She's trying I don't to believe please that. you. you don't I believe think that? she's fucking with me. You think she's fucking <laughs> yes, with you? Yes, I do. Oh, interesting. I do. Right. I go, there's no way you've lived with me this long and think I'm this dumb. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Right. That's not possible. So what are you doing? She's trying to get... She's tr- it's about control, mm-hmm. I think. 
Yeah, I do think that in things like that, you have to figure out like what's causing them to behave. Like I have a kid that suddenly started lying about something Mm -hmm. and I was like, I have to figure out why. Yeah. Like, why is this lie suddenly happening instead of just trying to fix the lie? Like right. obviously, I don't yeah. Because like, what comes to mind lying, for but... me is like, oh, what on your iPad do you not want your sibling to see? Right. Like that's what you know. Like, oh, what was the last thing you were looking at? Right. <laughs> you know, that's what would come up for me. And like, why are you protective of your protective iPad? Protective of your iPad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good question. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. Wonder what she was protecting on her iPad. Every time I go in her room, she's watching some stupid like WB show on her. She's not like she's. And that I one I can kind of understand because I don't like it when people touch my phone. And it's not that there's something scandalous on my phone, but I do Google things that are kind of embarrassing that are, you know, personal. I write things down that are, you know, how, like kind of diary entries. So I don't like it when people take my phone. That doesn't feel good to me. It feels violating. Right. But if she's also doing it with hairbrushes. Yeah, she's doing it with yeah. everything. It's really hard to... Oh, here's another one that, you know, she's actually got something personal in her hairbrush. She has this pair of jeans that are vintage that we bought at a thrift store, like a really high end thrift store when we were on vacation. And she really likes these jeans. Well, Isla, they're they're too small for her. They're too small for Georgia. And she's shoving like Sergio Valente herself (laughs) into these jeans. For those of you who don't know what that means, middle school, you would like wear jeans one size too small and and lay on the bed so you can flatten yourself (laughs) she is seriously doing this to these jeans they are too small and of course i said why don't you give them to your sister because oh sorry siri um (laughs) i was like just give them to your sister because they're too small and she will not do this right so one day george is gone at a sleepover and isla wants to borrow those jeans can I borrow those jeans? Oh, no, 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 no. You can't borrow them. The zipper's broken. They're not, it's not working. Next day, she's wearing the jeans. Oh, she's fucking with you. I don't know, though. I mean, I do think there are some things that get to be sacred. I don't have I a agree. sister. I agree. Well, there but are. I have had, you know, friends take my stuff that was my favorite stuff before that I, like, I get having certain things that are your yes. favorite that you just don't want your sister i do too i get get that but (laughs) shouldn't you say those are really special to me and i don't want her to borrow them instead of the zippers broken yeah but maybe that goes against what the family rule is you're supposed to share Ah, so that wouldn't have gone over set her up for failure (laughs) well i i agree with this and i don't think that there gets to be a judgment on what it is that is sacred and what isn't like it 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 could be a pair of jeans that you're like that's ridiculous because they're too small for you right Uh, okay I agree that there should be things that are sacred. I don't know how to enforce sharing when it's not just there. Like if somebody's forcing me to share, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that I would respond well to that. Right. You know? Yeah. It's a good point. I don't, I, I don't know how to do that because I totally understand why wouldn't like why wouldn't you just choose the one that is generous within your family, especially when there's no cost to you whatsoever? Right. But I also would want that to be internal. Right. You know, and not my mom's making me share this with you. Well, I think the confusing part is both my kids would share with a stranger off the street. Yeah. Just not with their sister. And I think that's a normal part right. of siblings. And I think it is interesting because you're right. The question is, what's it about? And I remember with my with my oldest son and his 
brother who's four years younger, my oldest Connor just had in his head that because he was older, he deserved respect. He deserved his brother to be deferential to him. Like he should have more, he should have more privileges just by virtue of age. And it made him so crazy Mm. that we didn't buy into that. Right. It just, just wasn't, I mean, he had certain privileges like going out and curfews, but like within the household, he just wasn't better because he was older. Right. But then as he got older and realized like that was just his insecurity, he was just whatever it was and and like matured into figuring it out. It was like that was just his little way of holding his brother down for the own his own crap that was in his head. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like there's important stuff under there. Yeah. You know, does it matter enough to go to therapy about it, you know, they're going to figure it out and mature out of it anyway. But it's like, that's the closest person in your life who like infringes on your, on your places that you can control. Like, you know, we talked in another podcast about how your room, like give kids the places in their lives where they can control. Right. So you have like the parental control coming into parts of your life. And then you have you're supposed to share with this other annoying person who's already in your space (laughs) and is annoying and isn't deferring to you and isn't respecting you. I mean, I don't know. I just kind of think it's it's part of the sibling thing experience is to navigate that. Yeah. Yeah, right. And the best places when you I mean, the best teaching moments, I think, are the ones where the kid who doesn't want to share all of a sudden really wants something from the other one. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, yes. okay, so here we are. Yes. No, you don't get that now. I right. mean, maybe that's an interesting conversation to have with them is like, well, can you come up with five things that you are willing to share with your sibling that the other one wants? Can you guys like sit down and work that out where and then to have an equally hard rule like the the top five things that you say are off limits absolutely have to be off limits to that sibling in the same way that Mm -hmm. the things that are, I tell my kids are off limits, absolutely have to be off limits to them. Right. Right. But that's good because then they have some say in it. I mean, I remember my kids at one point had some very complicated system of shotgun, like it divided the week into (laughs) three times a day and And because I was like, I am not having the shotgun conversation one One more time. time. You can all (laughs) sit in the back. Unless you figure out a way to do it. And I couldn't figure out what it was, but they knew. They had a system. <laughs> they figured they it agreed out. on. That's really right. funny. That's really funny. <laughs> they had a shotgun issue. Oh my issue. God. I love the conversations too with kids where you're just like, I'm d- so done hearing about this. I'm going to explode. I feel your pain. I don't have <laughs> yep. it yet. My youngest isn't quite old enough to be in shotgun, but God. Oh, it's coming. I can. T- I, oh, I know. And now <laughs> just the other day, actually speaking of shotgun, Riley called it and she's the younger one and Griffin who's you know six three it would be make sense for him to be in the front was like okay and I was like how did this happen but the point (laughs) is it's the same thing as Connor being nicer to his brother you know they just they grow up and they like each other and they have different ways of being that's not being forced on them by the parents right right you know I mean yeah they they figure it out grow up Yeah, yeah they figure it out um, did you read Siblings Without Rivalry? No. You know, I have it and I haven't ever actually finished it, I think. Not because it was bad or anything. Just it's, no, I, I it's, noticed it is sitting yeah. on, in my office. I should read it's it. It's interesting. But then I also just recently sent you an article that was sort of at w- that opposed that a little bit. I'll send it to you as well. OK. But Siblings Without Rivalry is interesting because there's it's it's just about navigating exactly things like that. Right. So. Right. But what would the article say that opposed it? Uh, well, I would have to. OK, so I think siblings with siblings without rivalry is a pretty hands off approach. Like you just 
don't deal with it. I think I could be wrong. The article was, you don't want to take sides, but you want to be there commenting on what's happening. Like you want to say, you feel this, you feel this and just kind of be like the sports color commentator. Mm. Yeah. That, Mm -hmm. yeah. So you just explain each other's side. I do do that with my kids. Yeah. So I think this is what she's saying and explain it. Is this what you're saying? Yes. Okay. I think this is what she's saying. Is this what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Now do we understand? Everybody seems to relax when you do that. They do. And then you can also be there to stop the escalation because it does sometimes get, it does sometimes cross a line that you as a parent should stop. Well, that's a perfect example too of, um, I'm sorry, guys. I have to step out for just a minute. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. (laughs) Oh, should we keep the podcast Um, going? Of just, I was thinking, you know, it's a perfect example of we did that one before where we talked about rules of engagement, Mm -hmm. which a lot of times is between couples, but it's really for anyone. It's a perfect example of, of, I mean, it's sort of refereeing, but it's it's teaching so that you can say, like, you know, that that's actually not okay. That's not how we communicate. No, that's and you can. And what I think is good in that is to just state the rule instead of like telling the child. Don't do that. Just go So hold on just a second. In this house, our rule is this. Talking about like rules of engagement like we talked about before. I mean, that's the way to teach it and be like, you hold up, back up. You don't get to just be disrespectful. You can find a way to express what's going on for you, whatever it is. But you can teach that. Totally. You know, I was thinking this is a little bit of a tangent, but I was thinking about it this morning. I think we talk so much about accepting all emotions, but not quite enough about that's not the same as accepting all behavior. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't mean like that your kid is upset because their sister, you know, isn't sharing with them, gets to scream obscenities. Right. That's not you. And you as a parent just sit there and go, well, she's upset. I so she, that the emotion. context for that is because we're about to release our, I think we told you about it, but our, our course and it's audio lessons for divorcing parents to help their kids be resilient during that That's amazing. process. How does a person find that? McDermott uh, method. McDermott method. It's going to be just in a few weeks, but um, That's exciting. we know we're excited. Podcast coming out today. Oh, today? Today. <laughs> well, well, it's not available today, you guys. Sorry, but get on our mailing list and we'll tell you when it yeah. is. There you go. But so one of the things we talk about in the begin, the very beginning of the course is making five promises to your kids um, as you go through it. And the first one is, I will accept all emotions. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that, we've said this before, but emotions are facts. So yeah. even if you think your kid's being a complete jerk and it doesn't make any sense or they shouldn't even be feeling the way they are because it's like based on something that's not fair... The fact is, if your kid's angry, yeah. your kid's angry. Yeah, it's very true. If your kid's true. sad, they're sad. And so start with that. Just right. acknowledge that, you know, I can see you're angry. It's a, it's actually okay to be angry. It's just not okay then to punch your sister or scream right. or whatever. So to start delineate. So that's what the context was. Yeah. Just like, if you can just help your kids name their emotions and accept them and then say, okay, so how can I help you with that? What do you want to do about that? And if they're right. behaving in a way that is inappropriate, then you can just come back later and deal with that. Right. You get to be. It's a, and it's, I think helping them express their emotions in a healthy way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. To say yeah. just exactly what you said. Everything. Yeah. This is all normal. Everything's yeah. normal here, but you defaming character, screaming right. profanities, throwing things, not normal. So how do we express that? But going back to what way? this whole thing started as is <clears throat> negative emotions are always telling us that there's some need mm-hmm. that is either threatened or unmet. Right. So if you go to the thing of, you know, siblings and not wanting to share, 
you know, what is that need? I need to have more things in my life that I can control or right. whatever. I need to feel respected by my sibling because I don't. I mean, right. who knows? It's going to be different for everyone, but there's the real meat of the conversation. Right, right. And I mean, my guess on this, just being a sibling myself, is that Georgia probably doesn't feel she probably feels violated in other ways by her sister, you know, right. just like space and noise and little siblings do things that are embarrassing. Totally. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And there's, you know, Georgia's always been a tit for tat, like scorekeeper mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. birth. Like, oh, oh, she got that. But where's mine? It's like that. And even mm-hmm. if hers is coming out yeah. of the bag second, why was mine second? You're yeah. like, oh, it's because it was second. I don't know. I was on top. The sales lady put it on top. It's not my fault. You know, I, that's like I think that. that's an older sibling thing. I was going to say, does Isla not do that? Uh-uh. <clears throat> I think no. that's an older sibling I think it thing is. too. I think the younger sibling <clears throat> is along for the ride so often. They're actually the ones that have the right to complain, right? Because like my younger, my youngest is always on my play dates with my oldest, is always like sitting in the back seat waiting for the oldest to get out of swimming. And he doesn't complain about anything. Oh, mine's the opposite. Oh, George is always tagging along for Isla. Yeah, always. Hmm. I mean, it's well, Isla had a lot of, you know, we did a lot of remediation when we found out she had sensory processing stuff and when we found out she had learning disability stuff. So I'd pick them both up from school and go to therapy and I, and George and I would play cards in the car while she was doing this remediation or that remediation. And our friend group seems to be much closer with Isla's age parents. Oh, it makes sense. And Uh George's age parents, we enjoy and like, but, but our really tight circle is Isla's age group. So she's always ending up in that, you know, there are other kids in that group of kids that are George's age, but it's not George's friend group. Right. right? Yeah. So we have to kind of consciously go into her friend group as adults to Mm -hmm. to try and balance that because I don't want her to feel like we're all about Isla, but unfortunately it's, it's shaken out that way in some just basic semantics of life. Yeah. I had so much going on with uh, sensory processing when she was really young. She had therapy like three days a week in Playa del Rey. So oh we were driving to Playa and sitting there. Poor Georgia. I just have to drag her along because I didn't have anywhere for her to be. I mean, so. this takes us back to our very first conversation and why <laughs> Kristen is moving. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You don't Playa. live in Los Angeles. Yeah. Playa del Rey is just another suburb of Los Angeles, but it may as well be Texas. Sometimes yeah. I could get there in 45 minutes. Sometimes it took me two and a half hours. Yeah. But the getting back. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess it depends on what time of day. Yeah. yeah. Either way, mm-hmm. either yeah. direction. Sometimes 45 minutes. Yeah. 45 minutes is just a straight shot. And 45 minutes Sometimes is like a good a day, hours. right? If it's just yes. 45 minutes. I was like, how many movies can we put in this DVD player? Because I don't know how long. And Georgia and I would do homework and play. And I tried really to make it as special as I could for Georgia. Because Isla's in with a therapist, you know. She's working Mm -hmm. with that. So I tried really to focus on Georgia. But the fact of the matter was, Georgia would rather be home. She didn't want to be going to all these places. And sometimes I could get play dates for her. But it was really hard. I didn't have another parent to say, hey. Can you hang out with Georgia at home? Well, I take Isla to Playa and the therapy we did in Playa del Rey worked like miracles. So it was really worth it for the overall happiness of our whole family because that sensory processing 
was really difficult to deal with. And I had no expertise in that arena at all. And I mean, like she couldn't put shoes on. It'd take her 45 minutes to get her shoes on to go to school every single day, every type of shoe you can imagine. And nothing worked. So we were desperate. And I was like, isn't it cool that there are things to be able to help with mm-hmm. that, though? It was amazing. You know what they did? They did neuro linguistic diagnostic stuff where they put, like, they did a scan of Isla's brain to see where it was misfiring specifically. And then they put, you know, those things that you put on your muscles that stimulate mm-hmm. muscle? Mm-hmm. They put that on her head and she'd watch a movie. Mm-hmm. But you had to do it at a certain age so that it would stimulate the brain to grow and redirect the neurons. Uh, so we had to get this therapy before she was eight years old or it would not be effective. So oh, that's fascinating. I found it when she was in first grade. So she was already six. And I was like, then we're freaking going. We're going. And it it took care of probably 75% of what we were dealing with. Oh, wow. Like I, within two weeks of doing that, she could wear shoes. Two weeks. That's amazing. Two weeks. We went three days a week for a year and a half. It was intense. But after two weeks, she could wear shoes. And after the year and a half, um, she was able to like, she, she like would not wear underwear ever under any circumstances. Like she was swinging on the playground on and the preschool teacher was like, uh, where are your panties? Oh, <laughs> God. You know, I can't get her to wear them. So we were like, we found all these workarounds that she could tolerate after that therapy, right? So that she could function within parameters. But before that, we couldn't get her to function within any parameter other than nothing on my body. Like we used to call it naked time because she would just be naked from 4 p.m. to bedtime. And before that, she'd just wear like a diaper before or, or, or back then I could get her to wear panties when she was like a toddler. She just couldn't do it. And we, I didn't know that was sensory processing yeah, at two. I wouldn't know Because mm-hmm. you go, she just doesn't like to wear clothes. I didn't either at that age. Right. And you would probably but think it's like being defiant too, right? I did. Yeah. There was a lot of it I thought was defiant. Yeah. She could not be strapped in to a high chair. Oh, my God. It was the worst. She would bow her whole body and scream. And so I was like, okay, well, we're just going to, we're just going to feed you while you're walking around. What was the thing that made you realize the shoes the shoes the you know what was happening is that she would take the shoes like I didn't know what it was so I thought she was being defiant so I tried parenting that um gently angrily um with stickers and rewards with I tried every trick I could come with anger I tried everything and at a certain point, she started taking her shoes in her room by herself and having the same meltdown. So I was like, this isn't about me. me. Mm. Yeah. This is something she can't physically put these shoes on. Like, this is intolerable for her. She's suffering from was this. Was it the putting them on or having them on or both? Having them on. Having them on. Having shoes on. And the only shoes she could wear were these cowboy boots. I kept them. She wore this one pair of cowboy boots until they just wouldn't, I mean, she couldn't shove her little sausages in there <laughs> anymore. But but those cowboy boots were the only thing she she would tolerate. And um, I don't care. I wear cowboy boots to school every single day. That's totally fine with me. But I think it's when she outgrew them 
that I couldn't find any replacement. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Same boot. I bought the same boot in a bigger size and it didn't work. So, and I mean, she like had to have, she wears like compression socks and they have to be pulled completely tight on her feet or she can't tolerate a shoe still. But if she can get socks on and pull them tight, she can do it. And I'm like, that's all I need her to do. I just need her to be able to function. Right. I don't need this to be, quote, fixed. Right. I just don't want her to be suffering. Right. So yeah. if she, we can, that's why she wears the baggy hoodies. That's why, because she doesn't like stuff on her. But okay, I don't care if your clothes are baggy. You know, there are certain instances when you're, aunt gets married and you're the flower girl you're gonna have to either not be the flower girl or wear what she asked you to wear right and tolerate it so for that instance she was in third grade i think and we got this beautiful flower girl outfit she agreed to wear it we were having a hard time with the shoes Cotty picked out these like ballet flats and isla was like oh, oh, oh. and i went here's the deal you just gotta walk down the aisle stand in the ceremony Walk back, and you got to wear them for the pictures. After that, you I don't give a shit. I mean, wear cowboy boots could have been cute. She, the, I was not going to go over for Cotty. Um, but I said, that's, you're doing this for your Aunt Cotty, and that's all you have to do. After that, I don't care if you're barefoot for the rest of the night, but you got to go down the aisle, stand there, come back, and take pictures. And she was like, okay, I can do it. But before we went to, we called it brain camp. Before we went to brain camp, mm -hmm. I don't know that she would have been she able to done do that. It. It was life-changing, that place. Oh, I mean, that's really heartbreaking. It was so terrible. And to figure out that I had been struggling as a parent to, and, and so frustrated as but a how parent. How could you know that? I mean, it's such I, a, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how, but I guess now you, when I know it, I go, well, how do you get other people to know that before they're right. at that place? You know, one of the things that this is bringing up for me, and it relates to the whole conversation about, you know, kids with attitudes is... I always think you have to look at who your kid is in multiple relationships and not just with you. Like if that's just with you and Isla, that's a dynamic between the two of you. I but agree, if that's yeah. going on, and I mean, that is, I think especially becomes more noticeable the older they get. Mm -hmm. Like what, what are their relationships look like with other people? Because if they're having this problem with everybody, that's not a dynamic Such issue. Such a good point. You know? Yes, it's true. Yeah. It happened in my family. I have I, one of my kids was suddenly behaving. Well, from my ex's perspective, my kid was suddenly be behaving in a really kind of disastrous way. But I wasn't seeing it. And I was like, you're just being dramatic. I don't know what you're talking about. This is normal kid stuff. And then I saw them together and was like, oh, oh, there's a problem with the two of you. Got and it, it was super easy to fix. It was yeah. just, you know, easy problem to fix. But but I was like, oh, if if this kid was acting that way around everybody, that would have been a really, really big problem versus you got to fix something in your dynamics. Right. That's a good point. Because yeah. then I guess if you're looking at a kid who I know, I know, I know, do they do I know to everybody or do they just do I know to you? Yeah. Uh, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, it is, it is good to have a, a friend. We've talked about this, I think, before. To have someone you trust say, "Here's what I see." Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that because you can't see it when you're in it, I think. But you even like you time. think how many different perspectives there are, uh, teachers or peers. I mean, it's really interesting to think like you know if you have other parents come up and say, "Oh, your kid's so nice and polite when he's at my house," and you're like raging with your kid every yeah. day. Yeah. It's just really it's important information. It's just mm -hmm. such a it's just such a great point. 
because there's so many different people you could ask. Yes. What, how are. do you think? of? Well, yeah, and I yeah. had a, a teacher tell me that one of my children was being moody and it's a kid that I'm like, this kid's not really that moody. Like that's something then in the With classroom, mm-hmm. it goes both ways, right? right. Yes, you know? it does. Yeah. Yes, and then you can like then you can help your kid with that on that. If somebody else is like your kid suddenly got an attitude in this one area. Right. That's very true. Mm -hmm. I know we had one teacher. I'll never forget this. You know, I was dyslexic and her dyslexia is tied into this sensory processing issue. It's a processing problem. Her dyslexia is different than um, a lot of other types. There's three types of dyslexia. Hers is really about is all part of the same package of processing um, issues or distinctions. But this one teacher kept going, I just don't know what to do with her. I don't know what to do with her. And I was like, but then that's, that's you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. not my kid. Yeah. Then what you do is you go, Oh, let me figure out how she processes. Mm-hmm. She's not being defiant. She's not lost. Like you are implying that she is. She's lost because she doesn't process information like everybody else. So, figure out how to help her process it. I just couldn't wait to get out of that classroom. Yeah. Because that teacher just never figured it out. It's, isn't that so frustrating? When it you is have really a teacher that we, one of the teachers that, um, that we have this, that my kids have this year is so phenomenal. And it's such an interesting dynamic to have somebody like really see your kid. Mm-hmm. It's such a good feeling, but then it su- sucks when they, I don't know what to do with this kid. Yeah. It does suck when yeah. they say that. She's yeah, really a head sucks. scratcher. I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's important. You're a teacher. Why? <laughs> I know. I know. Well, yeah. and then when they project it on the kid. Yeah. Like I've had people tell me that my children are bored at school and I'm like, well, that's on you. Totally. totally. On my kid or on me. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? And also just the whole idea of it's the teacher's job to say it again in a different way until the kids get it. Yeah. Totally. It's your job. If the kid doesn't get it, it's because you didn't teach it. That's right. That is one. Right. Uh, so I think it's in mindset. Mindset talks about how IQ tests were originally designed to test the schools where the schools do doing a good job. And now we use them mm-hmm. to test the individual, but it's not really a very good test. It's a test of how well have you been taught using this specific method? Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is and really a shame. And it's just a small percentage of kids who get taught in, in that way. Or who well, learn in that the, way. Right. Yes. Uh, to, to a high achieving place. Yes. Like not all kids learn that way and are high achieving. Um, yeah, I know. I have read that. I remember that in that book that, too. Yeah. And by the way, to be fair to teachers, I mean, how can you always take the time with Completely. everyone when there are however many kids in your class? I mean, totally. I do sure. get it. But yeah. I just think for kids to flip it and realize that it's not something about me right. necessarily. Like someone's going to be able to say this in a way that I can get. It's the very rare kid who's so far off the charts that they can't get it yes. at all. Yeah, you know, there's a way. There is a way. Yeah, there's a way in somehow. Yeah, I want to say that, too. I think that it is very unfair to think that all teachers should have a way of dealing with all right. kids. I think no, there yeah, are some kids that are just like, but, I don't get it. But the answer is do. not like, I don't know what I'm going to do with her. The answer is <laughs> there's got to be some other way. Like, right. I'm not the per- I we need to bring in some resources here. Right. right. Yeah. Or what do you think about how we reach her? You know, one of the things that also comes up for me is that it's important information for the parents to have to like look at the people and situations where your kids are thriving and where people are saying your kid is so polite and your kid is doing so well to like go, okay, why is that? Like, what is this environment that my kid is thriving in? And to collect that information because then your kids as they get older can try to put themselves in those situations. Really good point. 
So we haven't really talked about the smart alecky. Why do you think kids are smart alecky? Talk back talkers. Why do you think that happens for kids? I think it's part of just becoming independent. I mean, I think, and I think that's something too, is you have to look at like, is this something that's just normally happening in development Mm -hmm. and it's going to go away? Yeah. Or is it a bigger issue? Right. And like a know-it-all kid, I think is normal. It's super annoying. It's super annoying. (laughs) And like, you do want to tease them, but I think that's normal development. Not wanting to share is normal development. Yes, it is. It is. I agree with you. And I think just resisting control mm-hmm. is, I mean, that's just part of the deal. Like yes. You are supposed to become independent in there. And, you know, we don't even, I, I don't like it when someone just tells me what to do. Like, no, just, heck no. I can be in a perfectly good mood. And then someone just says it and, and I'm like, whoa, like I go, whoo. And yeah. I watch it with my daughter, who's the sweetest girl ever. But if like, if my husband, it's usually my husband <laughs> will say something that's bossy, and she's totally compliant. She'll be like, whoop. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just it's just human nature, I think, to want to just don't tell me what to do. I'll do it. If yes. it but it's going to be my choice to do it. I mean, to, I think that's I do. Too. I think that's normal. It, you don't yes. need to be rude. No, but totally. I, I think it is so interesting just to watch just do it, your own experiment with your own kid of saying it in a bossy way or saying it in a yes, in a nicer way or, you know, saying it in a, giving them a choice. Right. It's just I also think that there's some like kids get belittled so often in so many situations. And I think there comes a time at a certain age where they're just like, I'm not doing it anymore. And it's healthy. It's a good thing that they're trying to be more aggressive and assertive. Right. That is good. But I mean, I've had, you know, serious cases of anxiety in my practice with college age kids. And where it really came from was super over controlling parents. Right. Just so over controlling that there's no space in there for mm. the kid to get to make decisions for their own life. Mm-hmm. And that that's just not it's just not a healthy way to be. There's no space to be. And so then like you don't really have good decision making skills or you go, don't get to develop them because you don't really get to make your own decisions, but you're pissed. But that's not appropriate because you're there's something wrong being pissed. So it just I, I just think that as we say all the time, look for opportunities to transfer responsibility to your kids. Right. Give them the chance to exercise some control in their own lives. Yes. And it solves a lot of problems. Right. Right. It infantizes them, doesn't it? It, it, it does. Them. It yeah. really does. Like that. And then they get out and all of a sudden now they're at college. And they're supposed to be making all these decisions, but they never learned how. Right. And there's all this judgment coming from above. You're going to do it wrong. This is the path. What if you, oh, no, make it. It's just, it's how are they supposed to learn how to do that when they never can? Right. And they've never been allowed to. And you know, they have a lot of information. I think most kids make good decisions when they have, you know, they have time to do it. They they make good decisions when you start giving them the information and you give them the choice really early on. And also when they know that they are going to live or die is too big of a word, but by yeah. the consequences. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's not too big of a word. I think that's great. You know, yeah. That they'll fall on their own sword or right. not. And to, to, to feel the success of that when it works. Right. But I, I think, uh, it's good not to protect them from their failure, right? The best thing that happened to Georgia Kreischer is joining the softball team. She hadn't played softball in years, and she joined a, ta- a team that won state 
as when she was a freshman and sat on the bench and she felt her inadequacy mm-hmm. and stayed. Mm, and I kept yeah. going, that's what I'm talking about. I know. To yeah. show up every practice being the least experienced mm-hmm. player on the team and still show up. And I kept saying to her, you have no idea what you're learning. Is not softball. <laughs> right, <laughs> learning know, so much by just showing up and being willing to be the least experienced. I don't want to say she's the worst player on the team because that sounds kind of shitty, but, but she's the, the worst player experience. on the team. Well, yeah, because she's the she's least the experienced. experienced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had no. These kids have been playing since kindergarten. Every year, like year round ball, we played like spring ball four seasons, and then she hadn't played in three or four years. So that kind of willingness to be wrong Mm -hmm. i think as parents have a hard time watching their kids continually go into an environment where they're always wrong like that you know what i mean where they're weak so to speak and i think that there's a huge tendency to pull them out and to put them somewhere where they're strong Mm -hmm. and and i mean i'm all for spend a lot of time in your strengths but also let kids decide. Yes. If, if she wants to show up and be the least experienced player, then that's so great. Then good for her. Yeah. I told her how strong a person you have to be to do that, uh, to be able to to tolerate that. Um, even if it's super tolerable for her, mm-hmm. it's not super tolerable for everybody. So that's it's really special. Really not tolerable for parents. I'm going through it right now with something where I'm like, I'm dying. I'm dying. <laughs> My kid is totally fine and I'm dying. And I keep going, I know all about early failure, how important early failure is. And oh God, I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to watch that. Oh, I, every time Georgia would go to bed, I'd go, oh my God, I can't watch. I don't even want to see it. I don't even want to see it. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll be back when she's done because she struck out away. like every at bat all Aww. year. And you know, by the end of the season, she didn't do anything but warm up because they were, you know, going to the championship mm-hmm. and then one state and she was just cheering just as hard as she could. But yeah, oh, I know. I love her for this. That's the I rare kid her. who cheers She's from the sidelines. So I know. She's so special, that kid. And I guess Isla's sort of similar. She is in this play where it, there's a local, um, it's called Village Arts, where they do... Um, plays for like kindergarten through eighth grade. They don't do anybody older than eighth grade, but they have it separated into like the younger kids and the older kids. Well, Isla never graduated out of the younger kids. She keeps going back to the director going, can I just stay with the younger kids? And I just want like a side part that's no big deal. I want to like walk on stage, be really funny and leave. I don't want a main character. I don't want to sing. And the director keeps coming to me going, you know, she's actually really talented. So I would like for you to push her into taking a lead. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. She doesn't want to lead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And by the way, she's in eighth grade. This is not her career. So she's with the kindergartners? She's with the kinder, first, second, third graders. I do feel like you posted a picture and she was... Giant? (laughs) She was, yes, she was giant. (laughs) Did that happen? Yes. She was big Alice in Alice in Wonderland. So so everybody was like first, second, third grade. And then (laughs) I (laughs) love. She's doing the same. She's doing um, Guys and Dolls. And Miss Pam again was like, I want you to take a lead. I want you to sing a song. And I went pass. I would like to play the mobster. 
So she's playing the mobster who shows up and she's working on a New York accent. She's like, I'm going to go on. I'm going to go, hey, what you people doing here? And then I go sit backstage the rest of the time. And that's what she wants to do. She wrangles the kids. Oh, and this she is fantastic. Loves it. I was like, she's like a camp counselor that has five minutes on stage. And I don't have any need for her to be in the lead or to be in the older cast. She has an older cast that's just like, sixth seventh and eighth graders and isla won't go there she's like i don't want to do that so I, and i don't want her to do that because why because she doesn't want yeah. to she doesn't want to yeah she just wants to goof around and have fun so how are my dogs getting out of the house <laughs> every dog has gotten out and poor halston has put them all back up multiple times and they keep getting out and they want to come in yeah that's fine. I don't know. I don't know how they're getting. They must have learned how to use the doorknobs. My cat knows how Do to use levers? the doorknobs. Do you have levers? No. They're round. They have to take two paws and go. Little, 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 little. <laughs> Maybe they're working together. Mona stands on Priscilla's back. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know you have a heart out. Will you tell me what it is? Again? I just need to leave at 1130. So we've oh, got time. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, I have to get to Culver City by noon. Maybe. Oh, we'll do 11. Yeah. Okay. Let's what do time 11. is it? Yeah. It's 1030. Yeah. Oh. We have 30 more minutes. And we haven't yeah. really talked about our subject that I much. I know, right? All, have we? So, because well, we had no examples. Uh, yeah, we had examples. We, we came not super prepared, didn't we? Um, That's okay. I like the free form. Let I it know, go I wherever it goes. I think people who listen like that too. Yeah. They like a conversation to go where it goes. Yeah. So it's always something valuable. You know, it's never like we have a conversation and go, well, that was worthless. <laughs> There's always something in <laughs> There's there. There's always a nugget. There's a yeah. good nugget or two. Um, I, so my younger one does do, he's in, he's just a hundred percent certain about, I was saying this about knowledge that is just so wrong. And he's <laughs> such a jerk about it. <laughs> and like, I really have come to just think you just have to let him save face. Like you have to correct them or, or just be like, oh, I don't think that's right. But the whole, we talked about this a little bit, the whole making fun of them. What do you think on that? I mean, I think it just kind of runs the gamut. I think, I mean, my response would be like, what you're going to experience in life is sometimes people are going to tease you for it because you were so, you know, yes. you were so in their face or sometimes people are going to be pushed back on you for it. Calling them out and be like, you know, you realize that you were really over the top. Condescending, you know, That's yeah. not always going to get you what you want. But then- also, you have to know your kid. Like if it's going to bum right. your kid out to have you make fun of them, don't make fun of them. But, you know, I think some real world, I mean, you're the parent, but you also got to yes. let them know. Like if you do this in front of kids your own age, they might just walk away and not want to. For sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. You're, yeah, not trust you or whatever it is. I do have those conversations too yeah. later, later. Yeah. I have a question. So I have this cousin when we were kids. He's quite a bit younger than me. But when we were kids, he he lied a lot, like lied a lot, like about important things, like about or? anything, like about anything. And as a contemporary of his, I was mm -hmm. older, but a kid also, I would go, God, he's just lying so much. Um, and I think he still pretty much functions that way today. Um, how, how do you what do you what do you I mean? If you have a kid that you're catching in lies mm -hmm. and they're lying a lot, like yep. kids lie, like not <laughs> a normal amount, like an abnormal amount. How do you address that? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. I we've talked about this because before. they believe he believed his lie. Wait, what do you mean? Like, so like you got to give me an example because okay. there are lies of like just making yourself seem better than you are. Like no, I caught no, a fish no, like, this big and you know, there's that. But he'd <laughs> like, be like, OK, we'd have jello pudding cups. Yeah. Who ate the last pudding cup? I don't know. And I would have mm. seen him eating it. Well, I saw you eat it. That wasn't me. Nope. Well, yeah, you did because I saw you eat it. Nope, that wasn't me. It wasn't the last one. There was one in and there. And who was the enforcer in that house? Who was the adult that should have been? My aunt was babysitting all of us. But it happened at his house too with his mom. And it was one of those lies where you go, well, well, maybe there was one more pudding cup that I didn't see. Okay. But then it happens like that a lot. Well, that that happens all the time then. You know, I, I put my red truck on the coffee table. Have you seen it? Nope. And then you find it in his room and you go, well, you clearly fucking saw it because you took it. That happened I mean, see, to me. That's a parental thing. I mean, I'm I that's just not OK. You can't have a relationship with someone who you can't trust. Period. No, but as a parent, if you notice that happening with your kid, that's well, what with I'm your saying. own kid, yeah, though, yeah. you're going to have those boundaries. If it matters to you, you're going to have those boundaries. I think sometimes what happens is that it's the parents who don't want to know. So. Right. Because like. I would want someone to tell me if if it was something that I wasn't seeing, but my kid was doing it in someone else's house. Like my friends know that I want to know what my kids are doing. Right. Me too. Because I tell them that. Tell me if there's something I need to know. But I mean, I just find that like you would know as a parent, you would know. So was it what was the reason that that kid's mom or dad was letting that happen? Right. I mean, what was it? Do you know the answer? No. And no. I really do think you have to figure out why it's happening. Because, I mean, kids lie because they don't feel seen. You know, they need attention. They lie because they're not getting attention for something they need to get attention for. And so they make it bigger. Uh, they lie to get out of trouble. You know, there's a whole bunch of reasons that I think they lie, lie to be in control, too. Totally. Mm-hmm. They lie to be in control. I think he lies to be in control. Even yeah. to this day. Mm-hmm. Where you go. And no one calls him out on it even to this day. Yes, but he's always got an excuse. There's always a reason. There's always a... He's really good at giving you one little kernel of doubt. So when you look at his life, does it serve him? Well, that depends on... That depends on what... I mean, it probably does, right? Because we do things that... I mean... Well, it serves him in the in the moment. Right. Yes. I don't, right. It, doesn't, it doesn't serve him in his life. Right. But he... In the moment, he's, he's not connecting that. that. He's not connecting. No, no, he's no, connecting sure like not. in the moment. Yeah. Right. I got out of that one. Right. But then you don't ever really get out of... And then you're constantly not... It, it's and no one trusts you and you don't have relationships exactly. you want to have. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Right. There's collateral it's, damage. But you're out of it for the moment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And now you don't have anyone in your life who's going to actually care about you enough that they're going to call it to your attention and tell you to get help for it. I mean, you're not going to build relationships, though. You know, I had a friend in high school who just who was that way. Just everything that was out of her mouth was untrue. And I mean, it's impossible to build close relationships with those people. And you hope that they have a parent who can see it and, you know, figure out what's going on. But oftentimes that isn't the case. I think sometimes I think not everybody starts out a parent. An excellent parent. Yeah. yeah. So that's hard. Yeah. I mean, so in asking that question, I'm wondering if someone listening may have a kid in their life, it may not be their own kid, but someone who's doing that. So then what do you do? I you mean, know? it is, it's just, what is it about? I mean, you have, yeah, there has, it, it just has to be like, why are you doing conversation that, right? about, you know, what's it about? What are you trying to get? Because 
the consequences are you're going to not have people in your life. You're right. not going to have real relationships. Is that something, you know? Yeah. No one will trust you. Yeah. This is uh, a big trust issue, right? Yeah. Um, but that's uh, hard, by the way. It's hard to be a parent and it's hard to have those uncomfortable conversations. I get yeah, it. It is. But they have to be done. But of all things, not being trustworthy is going to ruin your life. Yes. You know, this is one that if you can start earlier on this one, what I did with my kids re- when they were really young, when they were going to lie about stuff was tell them you will not get in trouble if you confess to a lie. If I catch you in a lie, that is a different story. But if you come to me or if I even ask you and then you tell me that were you lying and then you tell me the truth, there are no consequences for this. And so I very quickly learned what they lied about and what they didn't lie about. Ah. And it was and it's I mean, my kids tell lies. They tell lies. All kids do. But generally speaking, they're pretty honest kids. Right. And I think it's because they know that we're going to like not I'm not going to scream and yell about the lie because that's the, the lie is not the issue. The lie, like it sucks. It is an issue because you're you're not building a trusting relationship. But but that's the secondary problem. Right. There's a problem under there. And right. the earlier you can figure out what it is like, are your kids going to lie to get out of trouble? Or are they going to lie because they want attention and they want to seem bigger than they are? You can figure that out pretty early on, I think. Like right. what their tendency is. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you say you're not getting in trouble, if uh, if you confess to the lie, that's another way of saying trust will not be broken. So they're safe. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, can, they feel yeah. that that's a safe way to say, hey, I made a mistake. We're going to talk about it. Like yeah. we're for sure going to talk yeah. about it. And I had this fear that they were going to both just start like lying to get out of trouble for everything and then go. Oh, no, no, no. I was lying. Now I'm not in trouble. Uh, you know, and that just never happened. I think kids inherently want to be good. Yeah. They don't they don't show up here going, oh, I'm going to be the baddest motherfucker on the block. That's not what they do. And they want to be understood. Like the reason they're doing it is because, well, uh, yeah, I should. Like you said, what is the underlying thing? I don't want to be in trouble. Right. I shouldn't be in trouble. Right. You're being unfair. Yeah. I should be able to do that. Yeah. So then you're getting to the real conversation that they want to have. And then you have those conversations. You can have those conversations about trust in an environment that isn't. Well, now we have to rebuild the ladder of trust. I remember my mom kept having that conversation. The ladder of trust. (laughs) You're on wrong one. Totally. And I didn't give a shit at that point. I was like, I don't care, mom. I just don't care. Like, I'm going to do the same thing I just got in trouble with just better. I'm going to be better at hiding it. Right. But But think about that. What was the underlying thing for you of that? Yeah, no, I mean lots of things that maybe I don't want to say here, but but I thought about it because man, I lied a lot. I mean, it was to get out of trouble. It was to get out of trouble, but, but did you think the trouble, the things you were getting in trouble for weren't fair? No, I had a drinking problem. Oh, I was the same in high school. I lied constantly to my dad to get to do what I wanted. Mm. But I mean, I, I wasn't happy. was the underlying Mm -hmm. problem. I wasn't Mm -hmm. a happy person. And so, and drinking and, you know, partying was the way to be happy. So I wasn't going to give it up. Mm -hmm. Like there was no amount of trouble that I was going to get in to stop doing that because I was unhappy. But we, and my mom's wonderful. I adore my mom, but she just didn't have the tools to have those conversations. And she was a single mom and poor and, you know, all of that. Well, that's actually Mm -hmm. something too, is that I think as kids get older, they just, it's scarier. Like if you don't feel competent as a parent, it's scary. And then when it really is, alcohol or something, you know, some addiction thing or just something big or promiscuity, whatever it is, 
Now it's really scary as and a parent to not know how to have those yeah. conversations. And you just want to, I think a lot of parents just kind of want their teenagers. Okay. You're all, you're supposed to be independent. Like go over there. Yeah. And honestly, I think that yeah. that's my, I mean, not only we didn't have the financial resources, she didn't have the tools, you know, personally to deal with it. And so I think it was just kind of, she was willfully blind unless it was right in her face, which I totally understand and have compassion for. I totally get why yeah, that totally. happens. It's like, My dad what the, the hell same. was she going to do if she got to the root? The root of the problem is your daughter is an unhappy person mm-hmm. and drinking because it's something that brings her some amount of joy. What the hell was she going to do? Right. You know, my dad was the same. Yeah. He didn't have the tools either. And he yeah. worked. So, you know, 12, 14 hour days, six days a week. He, he didn't have time to see it. So and that was what was causing my unhappiness, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. was that I had no one and I was lonely yeah. and I didn't I thought when I moved back to my dad, it was going to be bluebirds and sunshine. And it wasn't it was it was great. It was better than living with my mom. But I was alone a lot. And I didn't like that. I didn't want to be alone. You and but I had very similar experiences, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think, but maybe, think yeah. about the, how interesting but, that cycle is, right, where so parents know that you're supposed to have boundaries with your kids. And so it becomes punitive. Well, I took away their phone and I locked them in the room and I grounded them and all these things. But then what's really at the heart of it is like this relation. There's something, the relationship, the kid's not getting seen or loved Mm -hmm. or heard or whatever that is, but the adult doesn't know how to do that really. So then it's just this cycle of this punitive stuff, trying to be a good parent, but all the kid really wants is the conversation that you're talking about. Well, like, well, what, why, why are you drinking too much? Why are you lying? Why are you getting in yeah. trouble? And I mean, you can see it's hard. And you just withdraw more and more and more. Yeah. You become more yeah. and more unwilling to have That's, that yeah. conversation. But not even, it's not even like a conscious choice. I'm unwilling to have this conversation. You as a kid can't do it. No. Right? You certainly don't have the tools when you're 15, 16, 17 years old to go, hey, I didn't even know I was unhappy because I didn't know, I didn't have any, example of what happiness would have mm-hmm. felt like. So I didn't even know that that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't either. And you know, what your example of happy was, was drinking mm-hmm. and doing what you wanted mm-hmm. with your friends mm-hmm. and sneaking out and sneaking boys in yeah. and breaking rules. And that was exhilarating to me. Yes. It was really exhilarating to plan the lie mm-hmm. and then execute the lie and then not get caught. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get exhilarated by getting caught. I didn't want to get caught. No, I didn't I wanted want to get either. away with it. Yeah. So getting caught was terrible. I and didn't I, want the negative attention. I think some neither. kids do. Some kids, yes. and that's where no, there's I like that's where you have to figure out the lie because some kids want to get caught. Mm-hmm. I did not. But this I is an interesting thing right. too, right? Where it's sticky because if you're talking about kids in high school and they're it's illegal for them to drink. Yes. So the right thing to do as a parent yes. is to have hard boundaries yes. about yes. that. On the other hand. If you do that, you miss all those conversations. Yeah. So I have chosen not to have hard boundaries in order to have the conversations, which is not necessarily the right thing for everyone. It's just my what I've chosen to do. So I've gotten to have with my boys as they've started experimenting with things, the conversations about what's it like when you drink too much and is it embarrassing and what do you do? Like, do you have a buddy so you make sure you're okay and just so... Because I'd rather, I'd rather be in there with them. Right. But it's mm-hmm. a tough. That's a tough call. A lot of people don't choose call. that. Yeah, yeah it, it is a tough call. Because are you? I'm call. not condoning it. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just I not being pretending not like being it's not super happening. punitive. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. we we were right. kind of that way with our kids in that we've said to Georgia, 
now's the time when this starts. Yeah. Here's how the brain works. The brain's yeah. still growing. Yeah. My they advice, care about that, the kids, They do. These yeah. days, uh, my advice would be don't touch it till you're 23 because mm-hmm. your brain's growing. But we live in reality. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to. If you ever call us and need a ride, you will never be in trouble. You will never be in trouble for taking an Uber home. You will never be in trouble for these items. Uh, we don't want you to drink. We do not approve of that. You you might get in trouble for drinking, but you will never get in trouble for taking care of for yourself being responsible right. with when it, this yeah. is going on. Don't get right. in the car with someone who's been drinking. I don't care if it's your very best friend. You say, nope, and you'll never get in trouble for that because yeah. we value your life more than the moment where you make that choice. And so we've had those conversations with Georgia. Isla, not yet. She's only 13. She's not quite there yet. But, and I'm hoping that Georgia's getting it. I don't, we haven't had any reason to think that she's in a group of girls that are drinking yet. Um, and we're, we're not eyes shut about it, but we, we it doesn't, I mean, that's it doesn't just, seem that to be one happening. you can just smell that but, one. But I also like, think I can never like, figure out how parents didn't know. You oh can yeah, just I can get totally. But I also do feel like it's the parents who are so controlling right. and yet bl- blind to what's really going on that have yeah. the wildest kids. Right. Who are just blowing through all these barriers when it's like, I don't know, my kids, once they started drinking, it was like, I imagined it the way I remember because I didn't drink in high school. So yeah. I remembered all those kids who were drinking were like, it was like all they did. Friday, Saturday, yeah, Saturday, you yeah. drank all weekend. Yeah. The guys were crazy wild. And like my boys in high school were like, oh, well, every every few weekends, maybe there was a party. But it wasn't because it was not this like forbidden thing that you yeah. have to do. I don't know. I mean, those are just my kids. But definitely feels like the super controlling parents are the ones who are just not getting that their house is the one with the parties and the kids who are getting in trouble and as soon as they leave, turn their back. Mm-hmm. They go haywire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think there's probably something to that. I know I'd, we have some friends that let their underage kid drink in the house. And I'm not, I don't feel good about that. Yeah. But I feel like when you're out in the world functioning, you have to make your own decisions, right? And when you're 15, you have to make your own decisions. Here are, in my opinion, the better decisions. Yeah. And then it's your life. And yeah. it's your body. And... I'd hope you'd really want to take care of it and be safe. And what and what matters to you? You know, yeah. it's like my I mean, I, I like I said, I didn't drink in high school. So I get to say, look, I think it'd be better not to. Yeah. I mean, it worked for me. I was happy. But on the other hand, I also said, you know, you see me drink now, but it doesn't affect me in any way negatively. I get right. up at 530 every morning. I go right. for So what matters to you? Like right. if you're going to choose to do this, look at what how are you going to know when it's affecting you in a negative way? Right. That's is really it your schoolwork. Is it you know, are you going to feel crappy? You're not going to play soccer. You know, what are you is moody? It? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point to see how it's affecting your life, your happiness. Because mm-hmm. I thought it was making me happy until a certain point. I realized this is maybe a big part of my unhappiness. Mm. And because I started drinking so young, I was, I think, 14 when I had my, when I first started drinking. I didn't have the tools to manage my emotions mm-hmm. or to, ma- to regulate my drinking. So I didn't know how to regulate drinking until I stopped drinking as an adult and pushed reset and didn't drink for like seven years. And then when I started drinking again, I'd been in therapy because I was like, well, I'm drinking to this point for a reason. What's See, that, that reason? is such yeah. a great conversation eventually to have with your kids. Right. Like for my, I got to say, I have a 
someone super close in my life who had to go to rehab four times. Have mm. that conversation. If you're going to make this decision in your life, have that conversation. Right. And it it also is about pot too. I think we've talked about this a little yeah. bit. You know, that's the thing for me. In my experience, it caused major problems in people's lives. So right. for my kids, I was like, have a conversation with someone who actually knows yeah. from whatever side you want, but just get the information that you need so that you're going into your choices, not just as a stupid kid who doesn't have the tools to even know yeah. how to think about it. Or just follows the crowd because mm-hmm. that's what the crowd's doing. I think there mm-hmm. are there are leader kids and follower kids. You know, some kids just follow what everybody's doing. Well, everybody's doing it, but that's maybe not the right choice for you. To, but to you stop. can help that as a parent. Yes. These conversations are right, what, right. what yeah. helps that. Yeah. Right. We had just the other day, um, I was talking to my daughter about, we have a, family friend who ended up in the hospital because of drugs. And my daughter said something about how this girl doesn't seem like she would ever do drugs. And I was like, what do people seem like in your mind who do drugs? So that was an interesting conversation. Yeah. And I also said, there's probably going to be a day when you're in a situation and you're going to think you want to try a drug. So let's talk about that. And she was like, no, there's not. Absolutely not. And that night we watched the series finale of the good place together do you guys watch it no my daughter does it's such a good show it's such a good show and there's like there's a weed joke there's a whole bit about that and I was I looked over at her and she had this big smile on her face and I go you think weed might be fun don't you and she was like I do I do (laughs) I was like this is what we were talking about exactly (laughs) that's so so cool (laughs) that's really great I know when I was about nine um not that I recommend this but my uncle was living with us and he smoked cool cigarettes. And I thought that was so cool. Mm-hmm. So I, my, my mom saw me like messing with his cigarettes. She was like, you want to smoke a cigarette? And I said, yeah, that'd be awesome. So she gave me a cool cigarette and I put on her candy flip-flop high heel shoes and flip-flopped <laughs> around the neighborhood blowing into <laughs> the cigarette. Oh, that's fantastic. I got fantastic. home and she went, oh, honey, that's not smoking. Let me show you how to smoke. And she made me smoke that cigarette and I have never Never. smoked another cigarette. Yeah. So that conversation you had with Junie at the age she is in may be more effective than when she's in high school. Does that make sense? I think so. I mean, I really, Mm -hmm. the younger that you can open. Yeah. I think sometimes people don't know what to say, so they don't say anything. Yeah. But really, God, just say anything. It almost like if you do it early enough and often enough, it just doesn't matter. The point is have the conversation, have it be a conversation yeah. in your life. So you you know where your kid's at. Like, I know because I have these conversations so often, I, I, I'm kind of aware of like where I think my daughter is going to get herself into trouble. Right. And so- it's, I, I can't exactly prevent it, but I can give her a bunch of tools. Right. That's you know? that's true. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think when you're in that sweet spot of like 9, 10, 11, 12, before they get into the hormonal teenage, I need independence. I need to think for myself. It gets you worse have their than it ear. is, Leanne. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I know. But you, ha- you really have their yeah. ear in a different way because I think once they're mm-hmm. in that teenage phase, I know. I know. Mm-hmm. I got it. I understand. I, I saw a video about this at school. So the ship may have sailed a little bit. We've been talking to, to our kids about drugs for years. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much about sex, but drugs, f- specifically drinking and drugs since they were in like fourth, fifth grade. Um, because 
I didn't think about it in this way, but I can't imagine having that conversation with Georgia now. I think it would fall totally on deaf ears hmm. because she knows everything already. <clears throat> I know, yeah. I know, I know, I know. And then when, every time they say that, it means I'm not listening. Exactly. Right. I'm thinking my own thoughts and I'm not hearing yours. So one of the know. things that we talk about in our divorce course, <clears throat> McDermottMethod.com, get on the mailing list, um, <laughs> <laughs> is the idea of being the source of accurate information for your children. Right. And I think it gets harder and harder to present yourself as a source of accurate information the older that they I think get. you're right. But when you do it when you're young, when you're the first one telling your kids about drugs or about sex and their friends don't know about it yet, then that becomes their paradigm. My parent tells me information about mm -hmm. how the world works. Right. And I think it's... That's really smart. It's like, yeah. I mean, I tell my kids things that I think would horrify other people, but I'm like, I want them to know how the world works and I want them to know that I will share it with them. Yeah. And you share it in an age appropriate way. Totally. You, yeah. You don't, yeah. you don't, you don't share for it in, sure. in an old, too old for them to process because then they wouldn't process it anyway. But I, yeah. but it is, it's, there's like, I can notice it in my household too. There's always been like Michael and I don't talk about something that the kids are excluded from. Like right. even if it, yeah. or if something's alluded to and my kid asks me, I will always find a way to give them a real, I may not give them super a lot of details and not right. something age inappropriate, but it's always like, oh yeah, well, he was talking about this. Even if they're not going to get it. Oh, well, his boss did this because it just like makes them feel included right. in that there's nothing that they can ask that we're going to be like, oh, no, 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 we're not going to tell you that you're too young. Right, right. Makes them feel valued, I think, and mm -hmm. important and not, maybe not an equal, but at least a part of the team. Mm -hmm. Like as a family, you're kind of a team. Um, so if you, if the coach is making decisions without their players, the players revolt at a certain point, yeah, I think right. it has to be not everything maybe, but I mean, our kids aren't going to tell us when to refinance our house, but I mean, it's not a democracy, but it's sharing information, right? Yeah. Like if you want to know why this is happening, okay, I'll tell you why. Yeah. I'm not going to change my mind, but you and can uh, understand the thought process. How totally. different yeah. is that dynamic then when they have a question about something yeah. when they're like, well, my parents will give me this information if I ask them. Right. Because they've been giving me this information. Because they give me information was... all along. And yeah. it's never like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're asking that. Or I, I'm not going to tell you. It's That's an inappropriate question. It's never that. There's always an answer. Right. I mean, sometimes the answer is I have to think about that. That, that is the answer sometimes. Because it's not always easy to answer certain questions. But but then go back and, and answer give them information. Yeah. That's a great piece of advice, too, that you don't have to have the answer right that minute. Or you, there can be some things that you're just not going to say. You're just going to be like, you know what? I, I can understand why you'd want that because you could feel there's a lot of emotion around it. I'm just not going to share that with you now. It's it's just not it's private to me, but you're right. I'm pissed or whatever it yeah. is. Like what you're feeling is right. There's something going on between your dad and I. I'm not willing to share it with you now. I might later. I might not. But right. at least they can they can know that you're going to acknowledge that yeah. there's something and... And right then it's okay for them everything. to ask questions, right. mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. any question. Interesting podcast, ladies. Oh, <laughs> Interesting podcast. I think we got a lot of stuff talked about. Yeah. 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 How do you feel? Good. How do you feel? We feel good? Yeah, we feel, we good, feel good. I feel good. Yeah. yeah. Our blood scented pants. All good. <laughs> I am happy as a vegetarian that I do not smell like animal blood. Just saying. So I had a, I did have, a, I mean, I had a piece of meat 
spill blood in my refrigerator. And it's that like awful. You guys know that smell when you're like, oh, and it takes a while to go away even after you clean it. And that is what my pants smell like for your viewers. So fancy. <laughs> I won't be wearing them again. <laughs> no. Are they machine washable? I don't even know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could wash them and they'll improve. Maybe. Maybe. They are straight out of the package. So. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, anything straight out of the package smells bad, right? Does it yeah. smell like meat blood, though? <laughs> it's never had this particular smell. <laughs> not usually. That's not usually. Well, thank you for coming and chatting. Thank you for thank you very for much. Us. I missed you guys. I haven't I seen know. you in a long time. I know. It's been a while. So thank you. I appreciate it. I always love our conversations. I always learn something. Thank you for having thanks. us. I always learn something from you. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> and we learn from each other, right? Yeah. It's just the point of life to learn from each other. It's a great gift. So thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Leah.